welcome to another episode of The Local Way. I am so excited today to be joined by two powerhouses of the coffee industry. We have Lucy Ward, who is Head of Operations and Sourcing at St. Ali Coffee Roasters. And we've got the lovely Emily Oak, who is Key Account Manager and Wholesale at St. Ali as well. So these ladies know each other very well. So I'm looking forward to a great conversation. So welcome, ladies. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us. How are you both? Are you are you pumped and ready? Absolutely. So, yes. <laughs> ready to go. I mean, it's, it's a very warm day outside, so I'm happy to be inside this afternoon. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. Well, look, I'm going to make sure you're fully pumped by asking you um, some rapid fire questions to get going, just so we can really get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to go Emily first, and then I'm coming to you, Lucy, for the exact same question. So Emily, tell me now, texting or talking? Talking. Lucy? Texting. (laughs) How does this work, you guys? (laughs) We do both. (laughs) I pick up her calls. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Emily, favorite day of the week? Thursday? Oh, good. Lucy? Hmm, interesting question. Um, I'm going to say Saturday. All right. How about a nickname that your parents or your friends call you? Oh, I have so many. It would be a list that's far too long. <laughs> Do you have a, a favourite or one that you hate <laughs> that you want to put out into the world? My mother called me Lamb Chop when I was a kid, but she hasn't done that for decades. So <laughs> That's cute. I know. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Lucy? Uh, most people just call me Luce or Lou. Um, okay. It's very, very Australian. <laughs> yeah, very, very Australian. It's, it's pretty basic, really. <laughs> what if it works? That's all that matters. Exactly. Um, what about a song that you're currently listening to on repeat? Oh, I don't. I'm a podcast all the way. I'm not a music Are you? person. <laughs> yeah. What, what's your current podcast? Um, Mamma Mia Out Loud is a staple in my worlds. I spend a lot of time in the car, so it's podcasts most days when I'm driving around visiting clients, but I have a very diverse range, politics, history, you know, everyone loves a a good mystery. Oh, yes, that's the the female favourite, isn't it, a good murder mystery? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty pretty stock standard on that stuff. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) How about you, Lucy? Have you got a, a song or a playlist that you're listening to on repeat? Oh, look, I listen to all sorts of stuff, but I'd su- I suppose um, uh, Tilted by Christina and the Queens is something that's been on the playlist a fair bit lately. Um, I'm also getting into podcasts in a pretty big way. There's uh, one that I've just recently started picking up called Sorceress, which is all about sourcing <laughs> weird things, <laughs> which is quite cool. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. It's a podcast for everything. And of course, the local way, of right? Of course, of course. Yeah, and yeah. of course, the local way. Of course. <laughs> I'd love to just find out a little bit more about your individual journey. So, Emily, I'll come to you again. Can you just share with us, you know, where you've been and what's led you to where you are today? So, like many people of my vintage, um, (laughs) came to coffee completely by accident. It was a job, my first job out of school when I started university Mm -hmm. was as a barista. And I'm talking late 90s, so it was a while ago. Um, And it was just one of those things, you know, I studied politics, history at university, sort of had desires to work in environmental policy, didn't come to fruition. But working in coffee, and I was one of, I just, a lot of potluck, I worked in an espresso bar that had a whole lot of single origins. They were all about communicating with customers, uh, really enjoying coffee. And from there, it sort of married up both parts. I really enjoyed the, the still do being customer facing and, and dealing with people every day. 
but also there was the traceability and sustainability was just starting to emerge in the coffee industry. So I just ticked all the boxes. And even though I finished university, I lasted three months working for a politician and came back to coffee. <laughs> uh, and I've basically been here ever since. <laughs> it's a, a reliable ally, I suppose. Hey, coffee. <laughs> yeah, a lot of I think a lot of parallels, and and you know, obviously, I'm sure we'll get into it further in depth. And it's a lot more of what Lucy does in in the chain of the business that we work in together. But mm. having that 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 impact all the way back to farms is really a big part of what attracted me to staying in the industry. So mm, excellent. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into that with you both. So I'll come over to you, Lucy. Tell us about your um, somewhat epic journey, I think, is a good way to describe it in the coffee industry. Yeah, well, look, my journey kind of began a little bit like Em in that I just fell into it. You know, I was studying arts and, Mm. you know, like all good artists, I needed some income. Um, Mm. (laughs) So coffee provided me with that and, you know, just lots of jobs, just, you know, making really bad coffee really quickly. (laughs) I was really, really fast at the old lattes. You know, I started reading all these uh, bean scene magazines, cafe culture magazines, these things that started coming into the cafe and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, and I read about latte art and the the barista competition when it first started, like uh, the World Barista Champs, and I was like, oh, wow, coffee's a little bit more than just that you know just a beverage that people drink and I think the, the latte mm. art bit really actually pulled me in because I was interested in art I was like hey I can combine these two this is interesting <laughs> and after a little while I finished all my studies and I moved to Melbourne um, as I was living in Brisbane with the view to get a, a job in council and I wanted to be working in policy development around arts and culture <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've How told you this story. This? We've never shared this story before, but it's quite parallel. I know. It's very parallel. I know we've shared this before in some long journey. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, those doors never opened for me. I kept kind of, you know, going to all these job interviews and trying to do all these different things and, you know, um, many, many voluntary uh, shifts at various youth centres and stuff later. Um, I decided to just keep following the coffee path because it just kept opening doors for me. I started in St. Ali Hmm. not long after I actually ended up in Melbourne. I was uh, working a random job and then ended up getting a job at uh, Melbourne Uni where we had a cafe there. And, you know, I just sort of started working there and before you know it, that place dissolved and staff had to go somewhere and they said hey you're really good why don't you go to St Ali so like I dreamed about going to St Ali and the very first time I stepped foot in there was to start my very first shift so that was pretty cool Mm. you know and honestly St Ali has just been where a lot of it's happened but I spent about three or four years there just doing waitressing stuff and, and running bar and all that kind of thing and then ended up working for Proud Mary after a little while where they let me cut my teeth as a green buyer, did all the green buying stuff and did that for about three or four years. Wow. And then eventually St. Ali brought me back into the fold, as often happens with many of our staff members. You take a little <laughs> hiatus and you come true. back. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, from, from there just recently taking on the operations role. So it, there's like a lot of different facets that I've covered. Mm. Um, yeah. And and how has that impacted where you're at today? So the so did you say green buying? Was that the term? Yeah, yes, okay. green buying. I'm very yeah. green in the industry, so excuse me. And excuse that terrible pun. <laughs> What's that done for your journey and, and your understanding and appreciation for coffee in the industry, being part of that section? 
Well, I think, you know, I come from an agricultural background. Right. So my, I grew up thinking about farming. I grew up thinking about where the farmers, like, you know, what, what kind of challenges there are for them. Mm. Um, and I think that that's been really pivotal in my work as a, as a green buyer. You know, it kind of drew me to it. I started to mm-hmm. understand, like, more of my duty as a green buyer to be the conduit to bring their stories to the to the customer and understanding you know some of the situations that they find themselves in particularly with stuff like climate change or you know they have a large weather event i can understand that from a farmer's perspective and not just from a consumer's perspective mm, interesting and in what ways then can you bring that back to the the you know the everyday and where the coffees are being sold and and the beans and everything well, it's all about storytelling. You know, coffee mm. um, is unfortunately all brown, so you don't know which one's good and which one's bad just by <laughs> looking at it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's my job to teach people why they should be paying more, or what's so special about a particular coffee. And if you're coming from a background that where you're, you know, you're not particularly well versed in the different flavor profiles of a, of a coffee, it's my job to try and teach you that and and give you coffees that you can understand Mm. in your own little space, in your own context. Yeah. Excellent. And how about you, Emily? So you said sustainability is is an important piece for you. So what's your focus in terms of that? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's part of the, the whole framework of what we do, obviously working in specialty coffee, Lucy looks after sort of green buying production, Mm. that end. And then it comes to my team and us in New South Wales. And it's really, you know, obviously along with Lucy, our job to deliver that product to our customers, mm-hmm. to new customers, existing customers, and continue that education journey. And the sustainability, the traceability is part of that story that Lucy talked about. But it's it's sort of developed beautifully in the last, I guess, 20 years, along with a lot of awareness. People are much more conscious of where everything comes mm-hmm. from, the things that they consume, the impact that it has, not just locally, but all the way back to where those products come from. So yeah. that was what appealed to me early on and has done, and I think, again, serendipitously possibly an interest that I had initially outside of coffee coming into the industry and it's almost as though, you know, and again, with the advent of the internet, mm-hmm. people ask all the time, I don't think that's, I think people underestimate how much the internet and mobile phones and all that stuff has had an impact on our ability to actually improve what we do mm-hmm. and the product that we, we get and communicate and all those kinds of things. Just allowed to marry up all of those those things together and then be able to deliver a beautiful product to customers. And whether they understand why or not, people can taste the difference. Mm. And so, again, part of our job is to help people understand that at a level that appeals to them. Some people want to know everything. They want to know nuances. They want to know processing. They want to know the whole thing. Other people want to go, oh, this is a great coffee. Yeah. Why is it a great coffee? Or it is a great coffee and that's why I come to you. Fantastic. And I suppose being part of that entire process allows you to answer that in whatever way you need to, right, as in-depth or, or not as possible and give that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no there's no uncertainty mm. in being able to communicate, well, yes, this part of your blend comes from here and this comes from here and, you know, X, Y, Z happens and Lucy was in Honduras three weeks ago. Two weeks. Uh, and El Salvador <laughs> and... Sounds terrible. I know. <laughs> oh. Isn't it that balance between, you know, amazing being in Honduras but going from a plane to a conference room to a farm to a... Yeah. To and everything. But um, yeah, and having and having that real certainty of being able to communicate with people so they feel comfortable with the product, but then they also understand why it is, why it tastes better in the cup. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a huge part of what we do. And have you found any challenges with that, Lucy? I, I know traditionally 
you know, it has been a male-dominated industry. Are you lucky enough to come in after a lot of that has happened or do you still kind of, are you still carving a path in that sense? I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I, th- I think there's kind of two different uh, things to be looking at here. A is the Australian market and where do I sit here? And I think, you mm-hmm. know, it, to answer that part, in Australia, I feel like it's becoming less and less of an issue, if at all. Um, and mm. all industries have right. have this going on, you know, there's, there's that gender imbalance or inequalities, but there are more and more women like Emily and myself who are stepping up into, into senior roles, more and more women who are visible in the coffee industry doing really amazing things. And, you know, I think, I think we're quite a force to be reckoned with. Mm. When we look at it from an international perspective and we look outside of Australia's borders, there's still definitely disparity going on. And it's, you know, in, in my mind, the thing we really need to, to talk about, the conversation we need to have is around producing countries and about that imbalance within um, producing regions. Mm. And do you think it's the the progression that's happening in our countries, do you think that's helping in the other countries and having a, a bigger influence within them? Yes, absolutely. I think it, I think it is helping, but we're talking something that is systemically cultural. It's it's deeply bettered. Yeah. So it's it's not an easy change whereas Australia we're much more advanced in in that mentality and that way of thinking, you know, and it's it's just all part and parcel of being a developing country you know yeah absolutely so with that in mind what throughout all of your journey not necessarily just in in this part I'll I'll keep with you Lucy and I'm going to come to you Emily for the same question are there any specific challenges that you've encountered just in terms of building your career that you've had to specifically do something to manage and overcome to continue your progression no, oh, there's many, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just dog-headed and I will try literally anything that interests me. And I think, you know, it's just been a lot of hard work, a lot of determination and no specific incident can I picture, like, can I pinpoint to say that that mm. was, you know, a challenge that I overcome. It was, uh, yeah, many, many things. <laughs> but just your your dog-headed, is that the word you used? That's um, the word I used, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure I'm not putting words in your mouth. So you think that's that's been the key, has it, to kind of just keep charging ahead? Exactly, yeah. just being stubborn and, and um, not taking no for an answer. Mm. Excellent. How about you, Emily? What challenges have you come across? Um, I don't know if it's a little bit like loose. I mean, I can't pinpoint anything specifically where I think, oh, this was a terrible challenge and I had to work really hard specifically. I mean, I have. I think I've worked very hard for two decades Mm. to build. I've done a lot of volunteering work. I've met a lot of people, made a lot of connections, made a point of learning things I don't understand Mm -hmm. so that, you know, I'm always on a level, I guess, where people would assume, oh, what do you mean you can fix an espresso machine? Well, of course I can (laughs) fix an espresso machine. I need to understand how it works so I know how to make coffee. So Yeah, right. But perhaps, again, a little bit of my personality is just if I don't understand it, I make a point of learning it so that I feel confident. Mm. Uh, but that's probably the only sort of the only thing again that I can think of specifically. Other than that, I I don't know it, again whether it's a me thing, a personality thing, or I've just been afforded opportunities by you know forward thinking people and employers, including obviously where we currently are now, where people get yeah, absolutely step up and take the challenge. Mm. You know, when I started in this industry, and again late nineties, 
I really was, I'm sure Lucy's the same. I was very often the only female in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we would go to a cupping event or go to an espresso, comp- even a barista competition or, you know, judging or anything like that. And it was, it was me and, you know, a room full of, um, you know, on the whole, very accommodating, very helpful men. Mm. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And so uh, obviously we know there's the personality elements, but just for anyone who's listening out there who maybe doesn't have the confidence, you know, it is it is very common uh, yeah. that people don't want to ask if they don't know something because they, you know, worry that they're going to look like they're not capable or, or something. What would you say to to them? What can you draw on from your experience that, that helps people to just go, you know what, no, I'm going to ask? Well, look, believe me, I, when I first started in the industry, I was not a confident person. I had no idea what mm. I was doing. and I knew it. <laughs> um, confidence is something that you build over time. It's not something that comes out overnight. Mm. And it's really just through repetition of doing things and putting yourself in situations where you might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but learning from that mm-hmm. situation and continuously doing that to yourself. It's, it's a way of growing. That's excellent advice. How about you, Emily? Uh, that is excellent advice, Liz. I would say, you know, if I'm thinking about it now, I'm sure there was a lot of fake it till you make it mm-hmm. in my early years. Yep. <laughs> but that was enough. I mean, if I'm being really honest, that was enough to get me through and get the connections to be able to learn and then ask people that I, you know, built trust with or built relationships with and ask for that help. But, you know, like confidence in anything else, the skill to be able to ask for help or identifying people who I felt were going to be easier to approach. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if we look at it now in the similar situation, I actively, you know, look to help people or I don't want to say I'm a mentor, but I do I do look after people in the industry, people I see with, you know, with talent or interest, absolutely make a point of sharing my time with people to to foster, you know, younger generations and people who are who are keen to work in the industry. I guess, pay it forward for the people who did for me previously. Yeah, absolutely. And that was going to be my next question, actually. Who who throughout your journey has stood out as a, a mentor for you, it, personal or professional? And, and have they said something that's kind of stuck with you to help you through that journey? My very first job in an espresso bar, 17, had no idea, mm-hmm. with, with a man called Instrator, who at the time was known as Will Forsyth. And he you know, gave me my first job in, in, in coffee, sent me to my first cup of excellence, mm. organised one of the first Australian barista championships and really fostered the World Barista Championship in Australia and internationally. So my association with him uh, as a mentor very early on in my career was absolutely paramount in, in lifting me, you know, a thousand levels mm. and exposing me to people and places that I would never have, have probably even known existed. And, again, to sound archaic, this is still pre-internet. This mm. was just when it was starting so the only way that you would learn new things or meet people was to travel internationally to go to you know SCA conferences to sit in rooms and talk with people because there was no email there was there was a fax machine <laughs> and I remember in the very the very first job I had if we wanted to get information about the coffees it was all done by fax wow. go google what a fax machine is yeah <laughs> so you know he yeah he look he definitely is someone that I honestly, for the first sort of five, six years that I worked in coffee, absolutely believed in me and propelled me and put me, I'd say, in situations where I was uncomfortable, but knew that I would swim rather than sink. So he definitely stands out. Mm. And I suppose that in its in itself gave you confidence. If, you, if someone else believes in you, it's more powerful than your own belief <laughs> sometimes, isn't it? And, and absolutely. And then from there, I, you know, I built connections and, and built relationships and 
and sort of it snowballed from there. Mm, Excellent. How about you, Lucy, who's been a standout figure in your journey? I've had quite a few sort of key moments and I guess key people come across my career. I mean, I would have to say one of one of the first ones would have been Andrew Hetzel on my very first Cup of Excellence, uh, which Nolan Hurdy, also another person I would call as a mentor and a friend, they both elevated me and pushed me and, you know, gave me confidence to continue moving forward. Uh, another one I would definitely say is Trish Rothgleb, who uh, was my very first Q grader teacher and uh, has definitely, you know, been someone that I've leaned on at times throughout the years and has always given me knowledge and information that is, you know, above and beyond anything that I can get from others. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, you know, sort of from a personal level, my great aunt, she uh, gave me some words of advice when I was younger and I've always hung on to those. Mm-hmm. And that was that I should be a specialist in something. And her belief was that if I know everything about one particular thing, then I will become the uh, the person that everybody goes to for that. So I've always kept that right. in the back of my head when it comes to coffee. And it's like, well, this is my special thing that I need to know everything about. Well, I think you've you've definitely run with that advice. So <laughs> <laughs> many thanks to your great aunt. Yep. And so do you think that's integral? So for people that are either getting into the coffee industry or want to grow within the industry, do you think finding a person or a couple of people that can support them, you know, have belief in them. Do you think that's a key element to help people grow? Yes, absolutely. Multiple people, I would say. Uh, And I think, you know, I really encourage people who are getting into the industry to find many people that they can get information from because the more sources of knowledge that you have, the better it is. And, you know, these people are not necessarily just there to like support you, but also to be a sounding board for all sorts of information that you might try to, you know, um, try to put out there or to just give you, you know, a great wealth of knowledge. Each mentor has a different, or like mentor with inverted commas, has a different role in your life and and each of Mm. them are going to be able to contribute something. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Emily? What are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. I mean, I obviously only mentioned one, but there's been, you know, a number over the years and I guess it's it's that journey with mentors that one person will put you to a particular place, Mm. not that you outgrow, but you look for a different challenge or you need... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, different support. And so then you obviously find others. So absolutely agree with Luce that find one or many. Often I think like I did, you find them within your first place of employment where you sort of, you know, you find your people and you find your your place mm-hmm. and you learn from there. But don't, you know, don't be afraid to question, I guess, with respect, mm. to look outside your immediate circle and, and talk to people who you probably wouldn't normally talk to or get experiences from others like even you know in the coffee industry obviously we're incredibly proud of the products that we make at St. Alain that we sell but it doesn't mean I don't drink coffee from other people Mm. so (gasps) expose you know (laughs) (laughs) you know there's there's so much out there and there's there's so many opportunities but they absolutely look for people and again I just I don't don't know like don't be afraid to ask yeah Mm. you know even if you somebody and they're not in a position to help you they may know somebody who knows somebody who can so absolutely and and from what I've learned from all these conversations is that the coffee community is is a pretty strong supportive community so it sounds like it's a good environment to be able to find someone who at least knows someone and how about um because I know you've both got a lot and have had a lot to do with the barista championships and you know you spoke about latte art at the beginning Lucy 
how how does that play a part? Do you think if, if someone's looking to get involved in the coffee community to maybe expand their horizons, are things like that good arenas for people to go to? Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they give you connections with, the, you know, and build your network, which is absolutely vital. Mm-hmm. But they also expose you to a little different part of the industry and they can also challenge you. So whether you're taking on a role as a volunteer, as a judge, as a competitor, you know, any sort of capacity that you take on with these different events, you will get a lot out of it. Did you have more, Emily? I was pretty much going to say the same thing because I would say probably 90% of my network was built through volunteering. Mm, Okay, that's interesting. At different levels and barista competitions, particularly early on, you know, domestically and then internationally as well. So connections obviously with employers or education internationally. It's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty extraordinary community and I don't know that there's anywhere else, at least in Australia or internationally, where you get every element of the of the of the industry you know from coffee mm, growers right through roasters to buyers to sales staff to technicians everybody in the same place mm. you know my early exposure to barista competitions and trade shows and things helped me realize that there was a whole range of jobs that existed in specialty coffee that I didn't even know were jobs mm. there you go it's all about Going through different doors, I suppose. That's what I liked about what both of you said at the beginning is you, you said you both kind of fell into it. And and particularly you, Lucy, you said that a lot of doors that you were trying to walk through weren't even opening. I think it's a great testament to kind of just follow the path that seems to be presented before mm-hmm. you and then grab all the opportunities, find out what, you know, the opportunities might be and then just keep going, powering forward, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I'd like to switch gear a little bit and find out from you both if you were able to have a cup of coffee from anyone in history. Emily, I know you've mentioned history has featured in your life. If you could have a cup of coffee with anyone from history, who would it be and why? I pondered this question since you (laughs) sent it to me the other, and I could not for the life of me choose one person. I can't even choose the whole, you know, who would you have for dinner if you had three people from history? You need a whole party Um, of people. (laughs) I need everybody. (laughs) I'm going to come back to Lucy and then I'm going to come back and push you for an answer. (laughs) It's such a, like, yeah, look, I've definitely thought about this question as well. There's there's so many people. Again, I'm going to bring one to the table. I'm not going to sit on the fence Mm. here. Thank you. I will say Frida Kahlo. Mm. Why? Because she'd be a fascinating person, I am sure, with some really interesting and probably bizarre ideas. All right, Emily, you're up. Oh, I look, I don't know. I just, I really don't. Like I'm sitting here, there's a Vincent van Gogh painting on my wall. Let's have a cup of coffee with him. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, there's a Dalek on the other side, so it'd be Doctor Who is the other choice. <laughs> That would be an interesting day, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's have both of them. <laughs> Which doctor, though? Oh, don't give them more options, Lucy. Oh, I know. All, all of them? Why not? Like I said, I have to have – it's everybody. I'm definitely – I'm an extrovert. I get my energy from many people. So. Excellent. Um, all right. So, look, I'd love to wrap up by just, you know, again, I guess summarising or asking you to kind of summarise – your journey in the coffee industry and how you would uh, or what advice you would give to someone else uh, that's entering or wanting to grow in the industry, key things they can focus on in order to follow in your footsteps, I suppose. 
I I would say, you know, obviously this journey for me is, is you know, sticking over t- more than 20 years in the industry. And I spent mm. a good, you know, three, four years behind an espresso machine in a coffee bar. I went into a training role and grew from training into sort of broader wholesale roasting sales, you know, that kind of stuff. But every sort of every job and whether wherever, wherever, sorry, wherever I was working led to to more opportunities. But I think patience is one of them. Mm. You get a lot of a lot of people in the industry these days who sort of come in and are really excited and they work a couple of shifts. Like, what, when are you flying me to Origin? You know, kind of. <laughs> Thing. You know, my first couple of origin chips I paid for with my, you know, with my own money and flew and did all that exploration because um, mm. I really wanted to learn and perhaps I was a bit impatient but I, I wanted to get it done. So mm. patience, learning, asking questions, all I mean, you know, all of the, the cliched things. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, like I said, there are, there are many jobs that exist in this industry that I didn't know existed for years, you know, back of house, warehouse, support, training, production, And it's fantastic. And I think no matter what your personality or your interest or where your strengths lie, there is a, you know, there's not many industries where you could have, you know, if you have a passion for coffee, you will find somewhere that you fit Mm. anywhere, either from, you know, front of house selling coffee or making a cup of coffee all the way back to, you know, production or what Loose does or even at the farm level. Mm. It is such a, it's such a delightfully diverse industry that I think, you know, if you really love the product, keep keep looking because the role that you're looking for will will absolutely exist. Be there. I love that. Delightfully diverse. <laughs> Lucy, how about you? What what advice would you give? Yeah, look, uh, it's it is absolutely kind of similar to M. And and yes, there are so many opportunities. I mean, you can even be a graphic designer. You can be a logistics person. You can be a trader. You can be all sorts of things. And and this is the beauty of coffee, right? But if you're just starting out in this industry and you're really just trying to find your feet, the thing I would say is always approach every opportunity with open open arms and just like take them all as a learning experience. Um, you know, be tenacious, don't give up. Just keep being patient and keep chipping away at it and always, always, always question the paradigm. Ask mm. why are we doing things. Always ask questions and always push. Love that. I love that. Thank you. And I think that's a big thing that has resonated throughout our entire conversation is to keep pushing forward, keep asking questions, ask for help, take an opportunity, even if you're not necessarily sure where it's going to go, put yourself in situations that's going to show you opportunities that you maybe never knew existed. I suppose fake it till you make it. Just have, just have a crack. <laughs> Would you agree? Exactly. Absolutely. Just have a good old Aussie crack. I, I 100% agree. What's the? I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is you stuff it up, which I've definitely done many, many times. <laughs> which is necessary, I think. But you learn from that as well. But I think that's part of the confidence where it takes you time to build up the confidence to learn from your mistakes yep. and own it and then keep moving mm, forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, ladies. I could, you know, talk to you all day about all of this stuff. But, um, of course, there are five episodes for for all the listeners out there because there is so much gold but I would just like to thank you both very much I know you're very busy ladies so we really appreciate your time we're all gonna look forward to seeing what path you decide to go on next so thank you for your contribution thank you thank you well folks our international women's day series on the local way has come to an end Throughout the past month, we've celebrated the trailblazing women in the coffee industry who are breaking barriers and making waves. 
We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and, of course, our incredible guests for joining us on this journey. In case you missed it, we had five inspiring episodes where we learned about the thrills and spills of the competition space, the joy of teaching people how to make a delicious alternative brew, and the importance of empowering women in the industry. We also explored the rise of plant-based milks and the power of self-belief in taking risks. So if you haven't listened to all the episodes yet, we highly recommend going back and giving them a go. But don't be too sad that the series is over. We've got some exciting plans in the works and we'll be back soon with a brand new season of The Local Way. Make sure you follow us on social media so you can stay in the loop. And until then, keep on brewing, having fun and supporting each other like the legends you are. The Local Way is the alternative.